0: Welcome to the Radical Woman Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Kay Abide. The Radical Woman Podcast is a sacred space to chat about our divine gifts and birthrights as women, how to heal, thrive, and choose radical self-responsibility and authentic expression in all aspects of our maiden and motherhood journeys. Today, we are going to take a deep dive. If you loved the initial impromptu episode of our series, you definitely want to stay tuned for this entire ride. We're going to dive into the possibility of healing. And why do I say the possibility of healing? Well, because when I talk to each individual, whether it'll be a woman, a family, for a child, you name it, it is just the possibility that we're talking about. And in today's world, I think we focus more on the end goal of what we want to look, feel, um, and experience in our world. But what we don't actually focus on is the getting there or the possibility that healing actually exists, right? Because we could all talk about the bigness of what our life would look like if we lost the hundred pounds or if we had $10,000 more in our bank account. But we're not actually feeling it. We're just saying, oh, when it comes, it comes. It'll be fine. I'll have it eventually. But what if we actually discuss the possibility of those things, of how it would feel tangibly to be in that, to experience those things? And also too, what if the journey of getting there looked nothing like you had ever seen before? And all of those things are encompassed in the possibility of healing. And when we tap into the possibility that something bigger than that which even our mind can conceive is inside of us running and controlling um, the entire show of our authentic expression and radical self-responsibility, we then tap into the higher power that exists there. So I'm so excited to take this deep dive into the possibility of healing and even more so the possibility of what exists when we are pregnant, the conscious conception journey and just diving in to what that looks like in an inclusive environment of womanhood and hopeful journey for motherhood, um, for parenthood, and then mothering once baby is earthside. So stay tuned. I'm super excited to dive in with this today. All right, so let's start off with what is healing, right? One of the questions I typically get is, oh, I I know that our body is able to heal, but what about X, Y, and Z? It always makes me chuckle because the what about part tells me that they're automatically questioning the statement that was first portrayed before the but or what about or and that was added to that sentence and healing does happen every second of every single day it's just our bodies in a state of overall positive climbing up the mountain of healing or are we in survival mode and stuck and on the down slope of the mountain just trying to not trip not fall Uh, we're treading water we're just trying to stay afloat and making sure that our bodies keep functioning so i want to start in prefacing that healing does happen every single day And it's important for us to honor and and open our eyes um, and our awareness and acknowledge that we have the possibility of healing happening every single day. And with that, we have to break free. We have to break free of the confines of which Western society has defined as healing because it's very black and white in Western medicine. It's very much so you either heal or you don't or you're... um, ailment or disease or disease either goes away or it doesn't and we're now seeing thankfully in a lot of more of the holistic spaces but especially in the um in the woman's world um, of intuitive and ancestral knowledge and wisdom coming to the forefront that healing is a forever thing it's not a it healed and now it's fixed and it's not that oh it's going to heal and you're never going to have to take care of your vessel again and those are the questions that really I feel people are truly innately asking is they just want assurance or reassurance that their body is healing because they know on the inside and we just haven't tapped into that innate intuition as women to let it assure us and give us uh, nudges and insight into ways that we could see and feel and experience tangible means. Of healing going in that uphill direction. And so, with that, I want to explain the way I look at healing or the way I look at an individual when I'm assessing their overall healing capabilities, right? And so, there's a couple ways we can look at the energetic world, but overall, I like to utilize the example of adaptation. So, if someone in the Western world, is looking to see if they're healed from, let's just say, cancer, right? So are you healed from cancer? That just means that markers for cancer are not showing up above a threshold that says there's low markers or potentially non-existent markers for cancer. But for instance, that exa- that in- individual who maybe no longer has markers from cancer can then just die of a heart attack within the next six months. And we define health as being cancer-free or um, having cancer, or we define ourselves as having a healthy lifestyle or not having a healthy lifestyle. And it's not that black and white. So I like to take the approach of adaptation because if you have someone who, let's just take for the example, um, a pie chart, I like to call it the pie chart of health. So you have a few pieces of pie, um, That are all necessary components in order to keep the wheel turning of health in a direction that's proactive for the general population or for the generality of that individual. So we could talk about things like diet or nutrition. I don't like the word diet because... It implies that it should end at some point in time, right? We're always on a diet, um, but instead we should just be fueling our body with nutrient density, um, having nutritious foods and a nutritious experience. So your nutrient experience rather than your diet Your movement um, rather than exercise. Because again, exercise, although I lived in that world for a very long time, promoting exercise and movement medicine, which I absolutely believe, but I believe in movement. I believe that intuitive movement um, and how our body wants to be moved is very important for the individual's overall pie chart experience, if you will. And rather than just saying, I do crossfit or I lift heavy weights or I only do this, or what about the women and moms who are busy walking and bending over and picking up children. And my goodness, my arms are probably stronger. My left arm is stronger than it's ever been in terms of carrying my children on that side. So we have to honor the individual and their levels of movement. So we then we talked about the nutrient levels, um, the movement medicine of the individual, spirituality. And so this encompasses anything from Um, faith to religion to uh, nature. Anything that you want to put in that, that bucket or that pie chart, if you will, that is something bigger than ourselves or having faith in something or I don't care if you believe in a tree, a wall, a chair, it doesn't matter. Having some higher belief system to connect yourself to, to be able to plant your roots and have groundedness, that is what I'm talking about. Then of course, you have nervous system care and this can be through Chiropractic care, it could be through some type of um, intuitive um, body talk. It can be through uh, any type of nervous system conduit. So we're talking about deep breathing, somatic respiratory integration, um, diaphragmatic breathing, diaphragmatic um, response, craniosacral therapy. There's so many ways that we could integrate our nervous systems. And then on top of that, we have our our pleasures, our experiences, our sensuality, our things that make us human, right? So we have our touch, taste, smell, feel, our emotional side of things. How's your emotional bank, right? Are we shoving all of our emotions to the wayside inside of our vessel and our vessels just harboring them for months on end until we Create energetic disease and differences that create physiological symptoms. And so the pie chart goes on and on and on. And you could add all of these different pieces of the pie to make up a wholesome unit. And so we'll talk more of that individual pieces of the pie as we go through this, but I really want to focus on that whole pie chart. So if we have all of those pieces of pie that make up the whole pie, We then have to have a measure or means to determine if that individual is healthy, quote unquote. And so I like to switch out healthy with adaptation. That's because we could be doing everything perfectly at every point in time, and it's humanness. And it's inevitable that there's going to be risk, which I know we will talk about on this episode. We know there's going to be things that are, of course, out of our control, environmental factors, if you will. We do have our emotions. And then we also have our overall body's adaptability. And so if you are striving for perfection in the human world, it's inevitable that you will climb to the top of the mountain and have to go back down and then reclimb to the top of the next mountain. And I usually call this leveling up because... I do believe that it isn't all, you know, sunshine puppies and rainbows. There are lessons that we're here to learn and experiences that we have signed up to experience that may be perceived to our human selves in the moment as failures or um moments of lack or limitations. But what we have to realize is that These are opportunities for us to experience the humanness or the senses or the somaticness of our vessels and our being. So when you are looking at that whole pie chart, we must look at adaptation rather than health because we could have an individual. And I see this so much in my office in the brick and mortar setting and also through the emotional quantum healing setting that I do virtually is that across the board, We see high levels of emotional trauma. And I don't mean you had to go through getting run over by a car or through some, you know, assault. It's it's our perception and our, our illusion, if you will, of what our body holds onto from the state of our thoughts. So we have a thought, it triggers an emotion, and we either feel it, release it, and surrender to it and acknowledge it in the name of awareness and the experience of being human, or we put it up in Pandora's box and we shove it into our body and let it fester and sit there for 10, 20 years, a couple decades, and then it just pops open and creates some health conundrum or limitation or dis-ease or diagnoses if you're going to talk in terms of Western medicine. And so when we talk about adaptation, we could then look into the pie chart and see what areas do I need better adaptation or do I need to do better in this area to enhance my adaptation? So I want to give you an example. I get questions in my inbox and email and Facebook Messenger all the time. Can you look at these labs? Can you look at these x-rays? Can you look at these x, y, z, fill in the blank? Let me know how healthy you think my body is or I'm experiencing these symptoms and it's been this long and here's my whole story. And I wanna know how long do you think it's going to take for me to x, y, z, meet my goals, um, be out of pain, uh, be able to get pregnant, You name it. And my answer is always well, we have to look at your adaptation. So you could have really great practices. It's much like going to the gym. You could have just started going to the gym and you're going five days a week. Is your body able to tolerate five days a week at this capacity? Probably immediately no. But we are are you willing to explore the possibility that may potentially require you to take a slower start? because you already are in adrenal fatigue, because you already are experiencing these symptoms of your body not having enough for energy sources, and now you're adding more stress to the table, right? It's not as easy as just climbing up to that mountain top, ringing the bell, because once you ring the bell, you're going to have to go down. So we want to explore the possibility of healing. And so I redirect those that I'm potentially going to work with to these thoughts of what would it feel like? If maybe we didn't dive right into every single thing, but yet just stopped and explored the possibility of if we address the emotional state that your body is in right now, and we were able to address that one piece of the pie chart, because we know that energetically, your emotions are harboring so much more of that pie chart because you maybe have a great diet or nutritional density intake. You maybe have great movement or exercise routines, but the emotional bank that you have is slim to none and your system is really struggling and your body's ability to adapt Based on the pretences that you are an emotional being, and for you, emotion is primarily your gas tank of fuel to keep you going in all aspects of those pie charts. What if we just explore that for a minute? That's the one thing that Western medicine is not saying. And I don't even think natural medicine says that majority of the time. That's because we just want to fix everything. We want everything to go away immediately. And I want to digress for a moment and share that my personal experience, which is the reason why I'm speaking on this very topic today, and my lessons that I believe I've conjured myself up to experience so that I could pass the wisdom and knowledge on to y'all listening, is exactly that is that i've experienced every valley of you know the deep dark bottom of the ocean floor of disease and dysfunction and none of it has ever fit into that box of western medicine and for me my intuitive um, innate nudge is that it's because That's not how we function as human beings and the more and more we get away from the ability of being healed or not being healed or being sick or being healthy and we put ourselves on the scale of where am I in terms of adaptation and expression Of health or expression of optimum function. And when I use those terms, I mean expression of health, meaning that your body is in a state of asking or in alarm or trying to communicate with you about you needing more of something or less than of something. And then optimum expression being that of you are climbing up the mountain. And so in my recent health expression, I experienced some very crazy and Non defined things of going through those adaptive periods. And, you know, I had moments of severe bowel discomfort. And then, you know, you remedy that or you try to increase the adaptation of that. And then something else was triggered and then something else. And so for about a span of a month, and I would say about once a year. I experience these uh, adaptive levels of optimum expression, of optimum health, and learn and pull and glean so much information from them that just keeps me in the unlearning period of all that I have learned. And that's the beauty of experiencing life. And I watched this video while I was expressing health that said, we are so grateful for so many things. We're grateful for the big moments, we're grateful for the celebrations, all the milestones in our children's lives. We are grateful for the opportunities, but what we aren't ever looking at is how grateful we should be for the moments that will never happen again. And that doesn't mean that there's just some of them, but every single moment will never happen again because it was just that moment in that time space reality. And so when I was expressing health, I was just taken back from that statement. And I started looking at how I was expressing health that way and truly being grateful that the way I'm expressing health now will literally never happen again because I am unlearning, unraveling, leveling up and truly, even though it was miserable, embracing that it won't happen again, because there's something to be learned from this experience. And so about a a month was what I was purging. And my physical self looks very much so different. And my overall health, if you will, or my adaptation has surely changed. And I had so many thoughts, knowing what I know, even in the non-conventional world of like, oh, I'm going to have to rebuild my gut. I'm going to have to do so much work, right? But then I thought to myself, what if I don't? What if when this is over, I can go right back to my adaptive self because I've been putting in so much effort for adaptation for a decade now? And how cool is that? That this is one limiting moment that is surely uncomfortable, but I am feeling every aspect of it because I'm not taking anything and I'm not trying to cover it up and I'm not trying to shield it and shove it and go away. And even in the moments when I tried to take something natural, it was not remedying it because it was not meant for that time and place. And that opens a whole other can of worms in terms of When we talk about taking over-the-counter conventional things, that they're not a one-size-fits-all. But how dangerous could they be if we are not careful and we're just pushing down and covering and burying so much life potential and expression that is yelling at us? And so I want to talk about that point of the possibility of healing is that maybe just maybe. The possibility of healing isn't that you feel good. It's that you don't feel good, but yet you are aware and understanding and have gratitude for the fact that this moment will never happen again because from it you will have a better opportunity to learn and grow and to adapt when circumstances arise around these situations. And it may be, you know, mine for instance was I had accidentally accidentally, intentionally consumed gluten. um, And that's a whole other story for another day. Um, But I was broadening my horizons on seeing if the 14 years I've been without gluten, um, I was able to adapt to it. And while it was a much different experience with gluten than I've ever had before, it showed me ways that my body is just not adapting the way at the degree that I want it to at this point. And so it gave me insight into how to enhance the consciousness around those things and really trust my body to know that I need to continue to follow the tools and the skills, and the knowledge, and the intuition, and the innate abilities that my body has to communicate with me. And then it turned into things, symptoms, if you will, that much looked like um, a bacterial parasitic type infection. And I utilized my intuitive knowledge to disagree with that for a few short days until my body kept screaming. And so it was a lesson and a dance of Listening to what my body's saying and consciously choosing to say, No, I don't believe that. And my body continuing to say to me, Yeah, that's what's going on. And then it's funny when you finally say, Oh, yeah, that's exactly what it is. I don't know why I fought that. I don't know why I was like against that. And then you get, or at least I got, fleeting thoughts of how it happened, why it happened, the intuitiveness of my body's ability to communicate with me about why it happened, what I was supposed to learn, came flashing before my eyes. And how beautiful would it be if we looked at health in that sense? And that is what, over the last five years alone of working with individuals in my own immediate Discovery of clinic experience to serving the public and now serving a very small, uh, well-defined niche of women, pregnant women, women um, of conception age, uh, small children and their families, specifically who find me through nothing but divine intervention of just being in the right place at the right time asking for a recommendation or a referral, or just literally showing up and in an email to ask for help and me being ready, willing, and able to in that moment. So I want to utilize that knowledge to continue doing the work that I do and trusting even more than I already believe because I have a really big belief system that our bodies are beyond capable of healing even anything that our biggest mind is limiting us to. And I see it in my office and working with individuals all the time. And it has to do with energy. It has to do with our emotional bank of energies that are burdening if our system's not able to adapt or optimizing if our systems are at a very high adaptation level or just filtering through because our systems are vibrating at such a capacity that we are just simply... A, you know, a clear filter that's able to just let things run through us and us be not affected by them. And so let's get back of that formal definition of what I utilize, which actually started off as a very chiropractic-esque definition of adaptation. And so we have thoughts, traumas, and toxins, which we know are the three Ts within the chiropractic philosophy, but we have chemical, physical, and emotional of all three of those. So you could have traumas that are chemical, physical, and emotional. You could have toxins that are chemical, physical, and emotional. And then, of course, you have thoughts, which we know can be very toxic um, and very high stress and very low vibration. And they could change the whole vibration of the entire human experience should we allow it. So our body's ability to adapt or not adapt Creates our human experience. So, the more likely we are to adapt to thoughts, traumas, toxins, whether they be physical, chemical, or emotional, our body has a higher capacity for optimum health expression. But when our bodies have been high stress in terms of either thoughts, traumas, or toxins, or chemical, physical, emotional components, we have a lowered threshold or our body's ability to adapt isn't as adequate and so then we are more susceptible to experiencing health expression and i will not say negative health expression because i truly believe health expression is that of a learning experience right it's not like failing a test we're not failing a test just to pass go we are failing a test probably because we didn't study we didn't comprehend More so a learning experience, better than anything else. And I look like I look at health in that same way. So when you're looking at your health, and you may say or be limited to the knowledge of what your care provider or your doctor or whoever you're working with is giving you all of this finite, definite information around blood work or labs or viruses or bacteria or. Uh, PCR tests or, you know, biopsies. Sure, that might be existing in your current world and your current reality of how you understand your health and well-being, but it doesn't have to be, right? Just like we could shape and shift our perception of what we're doing and how we look at things, like when we talked about the gratitude, we can shape and shift our health from looking in I'm looking into the window of diagnosis, disease, and dysfunction, into a world of adaptation, abundance, optimum health expression, um, and then just general health expression, because our bodies are natural detoxing, detoxing uh, vessels. We have to be naturally detoxing. We cannot keep picking up of literal waste, emotional waste, any type of traumas that are going to be stored in our bodies and limit us. And when we do take on toxic loads of whatever shape or form, energetically, physically, emotionally, we have to get rid of them. And no, it's not as simple as just taking a parasite detox or shoving a million things into your body, hoping that it'll just wipe it out clean slate. We do have to face the emotional well-being and the emotional capacity and threshold and adaptation level that is the root of our existence Uh, we are energetic beings and our entire existence functions around the atoms and the cells and the frequencies that make up those cells tissues organs organ systems and the physical beingness that we are so now knowing that is the answer to the big question that i started in the beginning is why is it that individuals who have horrible labs horrible x-rays, their physicalness of every single test known to man potentially can look like that individual shouldn't be walking, shouldn't even be digesting food, and shouldn't be capable of staying awake for more than 20 minutes in their entire 24 hours of, of day to day, but yet they seem like they're thriving versus there can be an individual who I see all the time is just depleted. They are stuck in a very taxed, sympathetic state. Now they're in parasympathetic. They're medically mismanaged. They're on a million medications that are supposed to be fixing their issue. And you look at their intake or their overall data bank of Western medicine health information, and everything says normal. Everything's within range, but they're not losing weight. They eat relatively healthy, quote-unquote, but they have no energy, but everything looks fine. Well, Western medicine will say, like, we'll just put you on this next drug to help enhance X, Y, and Z. But what is it? What's the difference between the individual who on paper looks like they should be six feet below the ground, but are thriving in a sense of outside in, but the other individual who on the inside feels like they're on their deathbed or on the outside feel like they're on their deathbed, but on the inside, it looks totally fine right? What is that dichotomy? What does that have to do with? And that has everything to do with energy. It has to do with shifting our mindset of what health or adaptation in this sense is and how we could change these things. We are becoming such a high degree of conscious beings that there is more to it than the simplicity of the Western medicine society that truly is only about 120 years old western medicine as we know it is only a couple generations deep but yet we honor and abide by and praise and worship a system that is only 120 years old when we have generations of mothers of homesteaders of women that have circled together for decades that have so much wisdom power and knowledge around adaptation health expression and health optimization that we're ignoring them in the name of they don't have peer-reviewed research they don't have you know conventional ideas jotted down they don't have books they don't have textbooks they don't have policies or procedures they don't have any type of accreditation or certification or any type of knowledge that would ever render any of them legitimate or believable except for The one that they do have far exceeds anything we have in Western society, and that is living proof and experience and first-hand knowledge passed down generation to generation of what true health or true adaptation is and how we honor that. And so with that is what we're all going back to. We're all meaning me, and I have seen an abundance abundance of adaptation enhanced over the last few years that I have been practicing outside of the conventional system of even nutrition and even the conventional system of hard bone, soft nerve, put it back in place, nerve becomes restored, function from this level of vertebra to that nerve is restored and functioning at adequate levels, which again, isn't wrong. It works, right? There are things that work, but what are we doing to enhance the overall adaptation of the system? And so in tonal chiropractic, just on the chiropractic topic, if you will, when we see consistent patterns in individuals of various tonal levels, we know those have an emotional imprint or a residual imprint residue, From an emotional trauma or an emotional disturbance that was stored in Pandora's box, locked up, thrown away, and shoved into the body, and not acknowledged probably for somewhat of a decade, if not more, and now it's bared its nasty head to the surface and we have to acknowledge it and provide awareness to help the body heal through it and that is what we're doing and this can apply for children this can apply for adults for especially for women because within women within side of us within all of us but especially true for women we have generations and generations of ancestral wisdom and mothering coming through us now more than ever because we're opening the box of what works for me and my family may not work for you and your family but it's the wisdom that is innate nudging me to heal and help my family become more adaptable and become a better degree of natural selection than the masses that are conventionalized and filled with toxins and filled with pharmaceutical drugs and doing every test known to man that is toxic and again i say this all the time And I don't need to, but there are times and places where emergency medicine is absolutely key. And that's great. We're glad we have those systems. And one of the biggest developments in medicine across the board was washing hands. Hand washing and sterilization was one of the biggest advancements. And when you look at that, then you see how fast, how quickly it took off. And people utilizing healthcare advancements in the name of hand-washing because hand-washing changed the face of the planet and i think we need to go back there we need to go back and start reassessing where these individuals have piggybacked on the the capitalism of hand-washing and now said oh well we could just wash our hands or you could apply this extremely toxic synthetic Uh, hand sanitizer. And it works far better than hand washing. And we've just monopolized the Western Medicine Society um, from that point in time. Now I want to dive in to the topic of adaptation and the possibility of health in reference to pregnancy, fertility, and birth. And this is a really big topic and I'm almost certain I'm going to have to do several more expansions in reference to this. But I'm happy to start the conversation here because for the better part of most of the work that I do, working with women predominantly around the world of fertility um, and creating space for baby is majority of the work that I do in terms of pregnancy and birth. And then the sub smaller subset of that would be with pediatrics and then that of whole families. And so I work with maybe like, I don't know, like one, less than five men in an entire year, um, one-on-one. Um, in our office, of course, we do see several more men that complete whole families. But for the betterment of it, it's majority women of fertility years, um, whether they're healing, they're Fertility for better energy and going to be within a decade of conceiving or for immediate conception wishes. And so in the world of healing fertility, we can look at two coins, sides of the coin, just like we can in terms of just health in general. And we will look at the adaptation side and we will look at the black and white side of am I fertile or am I not fertile? and i want to share the story that i have personal experience with from a pretty young age and so i moved to south carolina and in my fresh of like being 21 and i you know had a lot of these ideas scrolling and rolling in my head but i hadn't started chiropractic school yet i hadn't gotten the philosophy of that underway and i was defining my worldview around healthcare. And so I had to take a trip to a conventional OBGYN for some just regular GYN care. And as I was sitting there, of course, you know, with nothing on from the waist down, covered with a sheet, waiting for this doctor who I've never met to walk in, who was a female because traditionally, right, like as females, we like other females because they're females. But in this circumstance, I really wish I probably would have had a man, because I felt like as candid as the doctor was, she wasn't personable, and she had no respect for women. Ironically, isn't it? So she walked in, and she didn't even look at my chart. She just said, hi, I am so-and-so, and and I said, hi, and she said, well, I hope you're not here for conception. She said, because there is no way your body is ever going to get pregnant. She said, you're probably 30 pounds underweight. We call that skinny girl PCOS, and you'll need me, To be able to conceive. So I don't know if that's what you're here today for, but if you need to, I will just refer you to reproductive fertility because there's no way, shape, and form on this earth that you will ever get get pregnant and have a child looking like that. And I said, well, good, you know, that's good to know, but I'm actually not here at all for that. I'm still in grad school uh, or I'm starting grad school. And she was like, what are you going to grad school for? So surprisingly, she took interest in at least meeting me as a person for a little bit. So I shared with her, I was entering chiropractic school and she was like, oh, here you go. Well, you know then, right? Because you are going to be in healthcare that women just traditionally can't conceive naturally anymore. And so looking like that, you're going to need some help. So you might want to just start saving your money because it can cost thousands and thousands of dollars to grow a healthy child nowadays. And I look at that now and I think to myself, wow, if I'm not on the exact opposite path, From what that woman said, if it had anything to do with her playing a part in that role, it's the exact opposite of what I became. And I wasn't there for that. I was there for, like I said, just general GYN care. And she did her labs, she did her pap smear, those things in which she told me we're going to come back abnormal. And she was concerned And I just decided that wasn't for me because I didn't live in that world. My body, my mindset, my philosophy, which then developed around true adaptation of health expression and optimum expression of life, didn't reside there. And so I always think back to that because... I didn't want to get pregnant right away. I mean, I was not even married at the time. Sure, myself and my husband were together, but, and we talked about having children. If we had them, it wouldn't be for, you know, probably a decade later, which LOL, funny, didn't happen that way. We chose to have a child much, much sooner and it was a beautiful conscious conception. And that's where I'm going with all of this is that the journey changed drastically for me. But what I didn't know at that point yet is that I had been on birth control for much better of almost, I think, 12, 10, 12 years. And I had never had a cycle that actually ran according to my innate bandwidth of knowledge and frequencies. I was put on birth control relatively early because of hemorrhage and starting early and those types of things to regulate my cycle. And so what I didn't know is that I had two options in that moment subconsciously. I could have believed her for the rest of my life and I wouldn't be sitting where I am right now, or I couldn't have believed her and I'm thankful that I didn't. But I would be lying to you if I said that there wasn't points in my journey of healing my fertility, that I didn't always think back to her limiting statement. So the number one lesson I learned in this is that you have to be very intentional with what you say to individuals and how you say them to them, because as we just spoke about, their energetic intensity... An acceptance an acknowledgement of the words that are put into somebody else's mind although they're not that person's responsibility we do take them on if we've not created practices for healthy boundaries and for healthy healing and adaptation and so i did i took a lot of that on and i found myself in the betterment of three years later when i decided to take myself off birth control I didn't have a cycle. I was very unhealthy or had a very low adaptability. My body did not want a cycle to come back. It took me the betterment of two years of practicing all of the things intuitively that I knew inside my body needed, which I now practice with the women that come for me to work with them. And so by no mistake... Is it through my own journey that I've learned this lesson? And the bigger lesson, like I said, is if I wouldn't have said no, at least in the immediate response and didn't take on those words, that she limited my body's ability to adapt from just looking at me. It goes back to exactly what I said about people, what they look like on the outside versus the inside and what their function looks like. You cannot define health or even adaptation as a visual representation of somebody. You have to look much deeper into the energetics of that individual, into that whole healthy pie chart. And when I work with women in all capacities, that's exactly where I go. But specifically when I'm working with a woman in regard to healing fertility or increasing her adaptation to have a better epigenetic offspring or output of her and, her and her spouse so that both epigenetic components can be enhanced and they can create a better creative space of adaptation for that baby to be born with abundance and with health and optimum expression without lack so we don't have to heal or fix a new baby but yet we could create babies from a space of which that they can be abundant and they could be healing and be vibrating at high frequencies of health and well-being when they are born. That is how we change the shift from women's mentality of I am less than, I am lacking, I am broken, to I can actually do the same amount of work and get a much better outcome of abundance and healing and adaptation. So let's just dive into the the first step of all of this, and that is conscious conception. And so I define conscious conception as the introductory period where women are deciding throughout their lifetime journey if they want to conceive. What it would look like, playing and laughing and talking and open energy and air and space about conceiving, or the possibility. Just so we talked about the possibility of healing or health, the same goes for the possibility of a baby or a family or just the same way we all as little girls at some capacity talk about getting married and being, you know, being that princess bride or being in the wedding or being the center of attention, right? I want to address how important play is in creating space in your life and calling in what is consciously yours. And so this goes back to that pie chart. When we're talking about spirituality and you don't have to be confined or defined by conventional religion, you don't have to be defined by anything except for if you understand that life is created in abundance, the principle is already at play because we don't create new life from lack. And when we do, by happenstance, create life from lack, we get more limitations and more restrictions because we're not surrendering and letting go. And so it's the same way that a prospective mom and a prospective dad in hopes to have a conscious conception and be very intentional and playful with what that child may look like, feel like, sound like what their name may be. If we're living on that level of adaptation, there's a higher degree of your body's ability to procreate because you're living in an abundant state of adaptation. However, if you are living in that mental state that that doctor put me in, that I thankfully had healthy boundaries for in the moment, of your body's broken, it's not going to work, you look a certain way, you don't fit a certain profile, oh, you're automatically going to be high risk from x, y, and z that I could see from you, but I don't actually know you. That's closed down, limited thinking, restriction, creating more illusions, and not being open or aware or even mindful to what your body is wanting to tell you. And so the biggest thing that I do see in working with couples, and I do say I will now only work with couples because I understand and acknowledge and I'm very aware and respectful of the fact that it takes two to tango. And so when we're creating conscious sexual experiences in the bedroom, that is which creates conscious conception. And if we're going to ignore one piece of the puzzle like Western medicine does typically, i.e. the father position or um, component of this equation, then we're missing half, 50% of the epigenetic output or offspring or chances or adaptability of that child. And majority of the times, because I experience it in my office all the time, we have women who their partner or their spouse is not on board with, you know, playing or or becoming more adaptable, and it shows because it's traditionally that I see the women that I the women that I worked with previously and the couples that I work with now, it's majority of the time the male that is needing to do the work of increasing their adaptation, and these spirit babies are giving us this information because us as women, we have the knowledge. We just have to help heal the collective of the masculine to put them back in the position of listening to the nudges of their body and listening to the flow and going with your body's ability to heed the emotional warnings and the alarm systems and in this world today, men just don't honor their bodies, right? It's less masculine to be say that you're in pain or to be broken or not to be able to work or we've put men physiologically on a pedestal as if their bodies don't break and they're actually more susceptible to toxins in that that chart of thoughts, traumas, and toxins than even women are. Because their systems are not made up, up as, as much dense fat tissue as we are as women. And so their systems are even more burdened. And then we have more stress on the male unit. We see various degrees of how overworked and how over emotionally burdened men are. Because they're traditionally even worse off in terms of being emotionally available than us even us females are. And so this has a huge impact on the preconception period. And so I only take clients um, for fertility that are a potential mom and a potential dad that are willing and um, eager to do the work and hold that space for baby to call them in to know and reassure their spirit maybe that they are doing the work, that this is necessary because they know it's not just, you know, have sex and create life. It's not easy as sperm plus egg equals a formed new life. It's way beyond that in terms of our conscious conception of who we are of energetic beings in this day and age. We are raising the vibration to call in souls that are asking us and literally yelling at us if you're able to connect and be intuitive and listen to these nudges of exactly what our bodies need. And that's exactly what my journey was and is now um, through my intuitive guidance that I help Individuals listen and hear those things, but only if they're wanting to, because that is the key. You have to be able to give yourself your own consent to play the game with what your body is asking for you and asking of you to enhance your adaptation. And that, besides the father unit, that would be the second biggest component is that women and men are not creating space in their life for baby. I see it all the time. There's so much stress around, I can't hear the emotions in my head about how hard it's been from loss or um, grieving a a negative pregnancy test every single day for years and years or every single cycle for years and years and years. And I get it. And it's not that you have to be sterile and not have emotions, but you cannot not have emotions and then jump to the next thing. Like I talked about in the beginning, it is so imperative that we are feeling the feels whether they are painful or joyful. And it's that which, if you cannot experience pain, you cannot experience the highest of joys. It goes back to that same chart on adaptation, right? It's you could be at the top of the mountain, but you do have to come back down eventually. And you could be at the top of joy. But if you don't feel all the way at the bottom, when there is pain, when there is uh, stress and strife and unfortunate and misfortune, if you're not there to feel it, and allow it to process and surrender to it, then you will not ever be able to climb to the opposite opposite antithesis of that. And that is one of the biggest patterns that I see when I'm working with couples is people jump from vacation to vacation, family event to family event. They don't want to sit home and enjoy their their time with each other. And babies are screaming for moms and dads to... Be a couple and be playful and call them in and just enjoy each other's energy and stop filling the calendar with so much stuff. I give the example always too to couples of that if you are gonna adopt a dog or a cat like we have five dogs and so I know this feeling all too well before I had kids like before we would rescue a puppy because we have all rescues it would be so exciting right you'd go buy toys you would go get a leash for them you'd pick out their name you'd probably order a tag on Etsy or something for their name you'd get them a bed you would get some pee pads for when they were going to piss all over your house right you have all these things that you do and when we get a puppy or a kitten or a dog, or a cat, whatever, there's play, there's playfulness in it, and that which, when we have a baby, we're like, oh, we didn't conceive, we're just going to ignore it, and pretend it doesn't exist until 28 days from now, and I'm going to be upset again, and then I'm going to, I'm just going to be upset and stressed the entire time, well, what happens is two things, you're not creating space in your life for that baby, because that baby is and energy is a real thing awaiting it picked you it knows exactly what you what it wants you to do where it wants to live how it wants to be raised you are the ideal mom and dad for that baby and so what if we felt joy and celebration and just like we talked about earlier gratitude for like this is the moment that i've been waiting for that i've been waiting for my baby to pick me and for me to feel how good it feels and that doesn't literally mean they have to come to you right now but play with it Play with that idea and that expansiveness and that bigness outside of you of how cool would it be if this baby has been with you your entire life, right? And then we look at the opportunity of having that during your conception period versus the opposite. What negative impact epigenetically does your preconception period have on you if you're just stressed and lowering your adaptation? That's inherently going to lower the stress. And, or lower the adaptation and increase the stress of baby coming into your body when you do conceive and so i tell everybody that where i know we're all hard pressed to get pregnant today tomorrow the next best time we, we should have happened yesterday last month last year two years from now but what we don't acknowledge is that research actual documented research shows that emotional conception period two years of bandwidth prior to the immediate day of conception is imprinted in your baby. So, if you have been on a two-plus-year conception period and you are just riddling yourself with toxins, toxins through reproductive fertility, you are just emotionally draining yourself, you are losing your mind, but then you do get pregnant, that emotional tension gets passed on immediately to baby. And not only that, the gut health the current state of your gut health, which we know connects to your gut-brain axis, has to do with your mental and emotional well-being as well, is a direct is directly passed down to that baby immediate conception. We also know that your milk supply, or should I say your uh, pancreatic expression, your um, hemoglobin A1c, your sugar regulation, your uh, blood sugar, your liver function, all of those things have a direct response to your milk supply. So if you are living in a very stressed period or on tons of medications or trying the whole reproductive fertility route for years and years, and then all of a sudden you decide not to take time or you do end up getting pregnant, you don't take time to heal yourself before getting pregnant after those things or to increase your adaptation, you then pass that along to baby because your milk supply is determined at the immediate health of you during your conception. And so this is why it is super important to create a space for baby, not only a literal playful space of conscious conception, but actually a space of healing and adaptation increasing for you and your spouse. And I say all of this because dad creates the placenta, the umbilical cord, and the long bones. Those three factors are coming directly from dad's epigenetic imprinting. So, we see, especially in my world, when women are having trouble maintaining or withstanding pregnancies, or they have loss, or they have issues with immediate conception, we always look to dad for those things. So, low the epigenetic imprinting of dad, the overall adaptability and creating space for baby on dad's side. And of course, there are some times that I do typically see things with mom. And majority of those times are just things with ovulation. Um, another one is a big missed window of ovulation because we're so stuck in Western medicine's world of 12 to 14 days. But majority women are like 14 to 22 days or women who are not having a cycle, or women who have not processed emotions, or women who, again, aren't creating space because they're actually scared. There's lots of generational wounding passed down from a mother wound, or a sister wound, or from a familial situation of at least six generations or less. And I say that because research shows us that we pass on six generations of emotional imprinting into baby in utero. So think about it, I'm sure you've seen that picture you look at the the baby that's in the belly of the mom, and then you see that baby in the belly of the other mother, that's a grandmother to mother to grandchild to great grandchild relationship, right? And so our emotional energetics are stored within us. And it's not a coincidence, in my opinion, when I talk to a woman who's struggling with fertility, whose mother had issues with fertility, or whose mother had experiences with several losses, or there was a death in the family, or some type of Uh, maternal death or early death, someone who lost their mother early from a young childhood age. So these are all points that are super important that I focus on outside of just the traditional realm of where women are seeking healing fertility through taking supplements or you know following this protocol to a T. And I'm not saying that you know nutrient density isn't important because we talked about in the beginning that pie chart. And those are all the preliminary things that we focus on. But it's not till we get to the root in fertility of the emotional well-being and creating space for baby that we are able to truly assess and again look at the energetic imprints of what that individual, i.e. the mother, and then the mother's partner or spouse, i.e., the donating father component of the long bones, placenta, and umbilical cord, which are of course very important in creating a human being, but also too, when you do you know bear a child and you do get pregnant, you want mom and dad to have a healthy optimal experience through pregnancy and not just be trying to you know scavenge for health when they are pregnant and of course all these imprints and investments that you make in, in terms of yourself in terms of raising your adaptation and healing when it comes down to it literally last a lifetime when you raise the adaptation of a mom trying to conceive you change the pattern of her entire pregnancy. You change what that and creating space for that baby looks like. You change the emotional connection between mom and dad and make a better fitting outcome or family unit for that baby. And so it's all in doing the work. And like I said, there's much more to this that I touch on. I mean, we may go through nutrient deficiencies, of course, emotional awareness and acknowledgement. Um, I teach the body scan, which is something that's my proprietary information that I have created and utilized throughout all of my healing journeys when I'm expressing health, when I'm optimizing health, that in frequency medicine. And I will be doing an exclusive podcast episode on how to do the body scan because it's something that everybody can do and also creating an environment of play. We should be playing like children, like adults. Are, are we even adults? We're actually children that just entered bigger bodies. And we should. we need to keep playing and having fun. And then we talk about things like temping, tracking, ovulation strips, which, you know, could be good for some people. But I believe they're inherently hindering to others because it just keeps us in our limited, restricted mindset of the constant uh, lack of play and the constant Disease, diagnosis, I'm, I'm limiting, I'm restricted, my body's broken phase of Western medicine. But they can be productive and utilized for some good during processes, at least on the initial end of just learning our bodies and understanding them and listening for nudges. And of course, the biggest one, like I've talked about here today, is healing the unprocessed trauma and stored emotions. And this is not done through conventional therapy, Sure, there are times when conventional therapies are needed, but through just surrendering and letting go of the innate frequencies and residual imprints and residual damage stuck in our tissues, our cells, our uh, tissues, our muscles, our organs, our organ systems, because that is our body's wasteland for these things. And so all of this together far outweighs the benefits of the conventional world of adaptation and healing and then of course that of fertility and creating space and conscious conception but it's actually boiling down to the ancestral wisdom that does i have to say it save you money because everybody else is just monopolizing you for their their gain of a system that we know isn't working we know it's not broken and so I break down in, within each individual what I feel intuitively and also guided throughout the modalities that I've learned throughout my life this far and utilizing them on myself and my family first, what is needed, like what is really needed. And that even goes beyond once you do conceive and working with women to help redefine and unlearn that ancestral knowledge that's inside of them, because we all have the tools to self-heal inside of us. We all have the knowledge, the wisdom, the abilities, and the sacredness to self-heal and to learn and ask. And muscle testing is a great way of that, self-muscle testing. Of course, nervous system care, tapping into Chinese medicine, acupuncture, massage, craniosacral work, body work. There are tons of means and modalities that are great for us to use to complement the work that we're already doing as conscious beings, but it needs to start from within. We are our own best teacher. We are our own best bank of information. We are our own uh, perception of our body's adaptability, health, and well-being. And it's not until we provide acknowledgement and awareness and be present with ourselves and like and love ourselves for who we are that these things can unfold and teach us and give us the information necessary for us to heal. And that is why I feel it is so important not only as women, but as individuals, as human beings. And my niche is that of working with women so that she can serve her family and tap into the intuitive wisdom she has The a connection from her family because she started her family from a conscious conception point of being consciously intertwined with her husband so that her husband or spouse or partner can also be intuitively ingrained in the needs of the children because it is 100% possible To have a matriarch lean on their spouse in terms of wisdom and support to say, yes, I agree. I think this is best. I think this is exactly what our children need because we know, absolutely beyond a shadow of a doubt, we know their conscious selves are, you know responding to us or portraying or sending us the messages and the communication that they're expressing health right now and xyz is exactly what we need and it is my passion that this has become my life's work because we are more than just a test we are more than just a physical being that answers to a textbook of Diagnoses, over the counter medications, or means of healing. And of course, creating life is so much more than that. So, when you become adaptable, you could become adaptable in so many more ways. And health just becomes a thing that you express it, and life becomes optimal. And you get to see, touch, smell, hear, and feel everything that possibly is good for you. And even the things that you perceive as not good for you or as limiting, resisting, or an illusion, you can have immense gratitude that you got to experience it and that you will never experience again. Thank you so much for listening today. I am so grateful to the Radical Woman podcast audience for tuning in and listening to this episode. I want to leave just one note. If you or somebody you know is looking for help in terms of women's health, emotional health, uh, working with pediatrics, or even that of fertility and working with couples, please click the share button and send them this audio. I have a huge belief system that through knowledge, inner wisdom, and intimate connection and just loving people, we can serve humanity and create a bigger ripple effect by just sharing insight into what potentially can help them. And I know that the people that I am meant to work with will come to me in the perfect divine timing. So, so much gratitude to those who will click share and send this to somebody that they love dearly. And if you yourself are looking for help or support or intuitive guidance, I invite you to visit my website at abide. That is spelled A, B as in boy, E, I, D as in dog, dot com. Or send me an email at drk at loveandlightfamilychiropractic.com. Thank you. Have a beautiful day.